0: Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a wine podcast for folks who, yes, love wine, but love the people, the stories, the places behind it, and one place in particular we are particularly fond of, and that's Paso Robles Wine Country. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Well, it's our Veterans Day episode where we spotlight some fun wines produced by veterans. Now, I know last year I said veterans, and then I got called out on my morning show And she was very nice, but she was also very assertive. It's veterans. And yes, it is. I'm going to be doing my best to make sure I come correct. Excited to introduce you to two folks that have not been on the pod before. And before we get into that, I want to draw some attention to our last year's veteran show with three U.S. Navy veterans. Hal Schmidt from Volatus. We had Leon Tackett of Tackett Family Wines and Sherman Smoot of Bella Luna. Now, in that conversation, we were at Sherm's place, and he told us some great stories. And if you remember, he told us how he was very deep into the sport of air racing, like racing airplanes around pylons. Yeah. Low to the ground. It's insane. It's NASCAR in the air, but at like 400, 500 miles an hour. Not only was this a passion of his after all his flight experience, of course, with the Navy as well as commercially. Remember, he flew for Continental for decades. He was well-known, well-respected in this sport. He was insanely good at it. He was actually about to race in his last race, final race, before he hung up his racing flight suit for good. The plane he was flying, Checkmate, was a high-performing, highly modified old warplane that those in the know were all expecting Sherm to win his race. There was a lot of excitement around this race a week or so before Sherm and his wife drove to the Central Valley outside Bakersfield, where the plane is stored, to go over some things, took it in the air for a test flight. And just after takeoff, there were some mechanical issues that even a stud pilot like Sherm was just unable to do anything about. Sherm's plane crashed, and we lost him. The news reverberated hard through not only Paso Wine Country, but the veteran community, the Estrella Warbirds Museum community the air racing community, and more. Sherman's a special guy, and I wanted to play a little bit of audio from our conversation last year to show some love and a well-deserved Where Wine Takes You tribute to a veteran and a friend in Paso Wine Country, Sherman Smoot, a few minutes from last year's veteran show. I kind of want to go around. Uh, Sherm, we'll start with you because uh, you're the statesman here. Tell me uh, where... That's another term <laughs> that for, for old. Well, I think you're, it's like respect your old. elders. Do, don't you do that? I mean, yeah. it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I, I've also known you the longest, you know, so <laughs> you've always been super cool. We're actually in Sherm's man cave. Uh, I mean, like, this is so awesome. You got the wood, you got the trophies. We've got to talk about your, your race, your racing. There's holsters, saxophones. You got tables that are made out of jet engines. I mean, got this is... Yeah. Safe in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is great. Exactly. (laughs) So, uh, this is probably the coolest place we've ever done a podcast. (laughs) Tell me about your service, and thank you for it.
1: Well, you know, got out of college, uh, didn't know what I really wanted to do, and uh, I I actually, I put myself through school flying airplanes. So um, I was a flight instructor at Washington State University, actually taught Army, Air Force, and Navy, ROTC students under the FIP program, Flight Indoctrination Program. So I had about almost... I don't know, 3,500 hours where I went in the Navy. And then uh, from there, I got out and, and uh, went to college to be a veterinarian, believe it or not. The Washington State had a great large animal vet school, and I just wasn't smart enough, bottom line. I couldn't. <laughs> I applied to vet school. Back in those days, you only needed two years of uh, pre-veterinary medicine to apply. And, of course, after two years, I had a little over three-point average, but I wasn't even on the planet. I mean, I, and I was working hard. And, uh, and, and uh, so... I I continued flying, flying, paid all the bills, of course, and uh, finally, uh, after trying after my sophomore year to get in, couldn't get in, trying after my junior year, couldn't get in. My senior year was my fun year. I just totally screwed off. I went from a 3.0, and I think I got a 2.0 my senior year at college, but by then, I already met my mind that I wasn't going to spend the night in the labs anymore. I just wanted to fly, so I went down, signed up. Applied for the Air Force, applied for the Navy. Air Force looked at me and said, Well, you you're a zoology major. You know, we want engineers to fly in the Air Force and so they basically blew me off. And went in the I went in the navy and the and you know, I went down to the navy and the navy said, You pass a physical, you're already flying, we'll take you to New York Minute, you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. So did all that and uh and then went to, uh went went to the navy flight program and a little bit of interruption i broke my femur in four places skydiving my senior year of college so uh i had a metal rod in my legs so the navy i was scheduled to go uh to flight training or to poopyville under the um, um can't remember what it's called avroc or not Avrock but uh, aoc program aviation officer Cannon program and so i got delayed about six months until I could get the pin taken out of my leg then I went in so I I got to flight training um, in uh, January of uh, 71 and um, went through and because uh, you know the Navy told me to forget everything learn about flying but it helped me a lot up until the point where these kids came off the farm I mean instruments and all that stuff I already had all this you know so I did really good on the basic part of flying, and then it was really amazing to me. By the time I got to advanced training, here's a guy that's never even saw an airplane, has maybe 180 hours, 200 hours, and he's kicking my ass in the bombing runs and and formation and that. I'm I'm sitting there going, this is amazing to me. The Navy flight program, I still think, is the best flight program in the world. Anyway, so got my wings and uh, was slated to go to VF-92 when they came back from cruise, and there was a cruise shot down in Vietnam and VF-21. So... They uh, just finished the rag, and I was just going to party in San Diego for a few months and uh, go to my normal squadron. And they called me and said, "You're going to the boat." Uh, so I qualified in the Coral Sea. Still as an ensign, I was still an ensign. Qualified in the Coral Sea and uh, did my night traps. And the following Tuesday got done like on a Friday. And the following Tuesday, I was on airplane out of McCord heading heading to join the Ranger on station wow. on Yankee Station. So. I got over there and um, just at the end of linebacker too. Didn't you know? I'm not a big war hero. I don't you know. I never never got to to go out there and do a lot of heavy duty. I mean, I would have loved to seen it make and got to shoot at one. You know, of course. But uh, you know, mostly just tar cap and bar cap and and that kind of stuff. And because I was a nugget, I mean, they you know by that time they were all saying we're not going to let you go do anything stupid. You know, so so anyway, the war ended and I came back and did my time in the navy and and uh, uh, wrote the information syllabus in flight refueling and then it's co-authored the CQ syllabus on the new Lockheed S3 trained the first Cotterway instructors on them, and that was a trip but you know those guys in stoops going 80 knots and now they're going in in a jet airplane, that was a lot of fun. But I had a lot of fun doing that. And then I tell everybody I went to the dark side. I I uh, I stayed in the Phantom community, flying in the reserves, and in VF-301. And also while I was training the S3 pilots, I was uh, I did all the NARF flying on the new uh, the Navy and the and Marine Corps RF fours coming out of NARF Naval Air Rework Facility. So I did the test flights on those. So I kept my hand in the Phantoms. Then I went to the dark side, got in the reserves, and the dark side is of course the airline job, and I did that for 28 years and and you know i've been fortunate enough to fly all
0: kinds of airplanes and stuff oh like yeah, because your flying didn't stop then then you're like doing pylons and you're doing races
2: and-
1: yeah i got into racing and flying warbirds very fortunate about that and and uh, still do it i mean i'm 70 74 now and i'm flying a nice airplane that's nice and stable and goes around about 400 i'm not going around at 480 or 490 anymore so that's a good thing but <laughs> well uh, you just did something that was remarkable for the anniversary of d-day Oh, yeah, we flew a C-47 from Pass Robles all the way across the Atlantic in 2019 for the 70th anniversary of Normandy. Yeah, And then from there, since our airplane called Betsy's Biscuit Bomber a DC-3 C-47, she also participated in the Berlin Airlift. So we went to Berlin for the 70th anniversary of, uh, of the Berlin Airlift. So we did a bunch of stuff over there, had a great time. It was a great trip, um, unfortunately. I had this vision of flying over there, participating in all the fun, and coming home first class on an airliner. But the insurance company found out that I was going to do that, and they called up and said, you're not, you, we can't, unless Smoot's on that airplane, we're not insuring the airplane. Oh, like, I'm man. So sure the, like some magic guy or something. You know? Right. But, so I had to fly it back you know, <laughs> oh. westbound. Of course, it's in the headwind. Yeah, it takes you, my ass off it takes you
0: forever. All that stuff. So so what did? who did you plan on flying
1: Well, I had trained trained three captains in the airplane. So they were bona fide captains and they flew. And they were probably excited about doing it too. Oh, they were going to, yeah, they were excited about doing it. So basically, what I did is I let them fly back and I sat back in the first class section.
0: There you go. (laughs) You got your first class
1: right. In my hammocks.
0: (laughs) 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 Drink it. Well, you can actually look up. uh, We followed you. You know, we had you on the the radio uh, right before then and we followed the journey. There was some great coverage of it throughout. It was really a special thing. So uh, that's Awesome. Well, it's so good to connect with you again and thanks for having me uh, back out Glad here. Glad you're here. You're, you're always welcome, Mary Adam. I love how he ends that. I miss you, Sherm. We are going to gather at the Australia Warbirds Museum on December 3rd, which is a Saturday from 12 to 3. For those who knew him and want to pay tribute to him, his wife and family asked me to officiate the service, which I was uh, just floored, so honored. I loved Sherm. He was a great guy. If you knew him or want to pay your respects to this great man, great veteran, great dad, great husband, great neighbor, great winemaker, great air racer, and more, December 3rd at the Estrella Warbirds Museum from 12 to 3. You can do that. And to Sherm, I know you're out there, my man. I say blue skies to you, buddy. With that, on to today's show and guests. I'm excited to introduce you to two new guests to the podcast, Melanie Harding from Boniche and Adam Lazar of Lazar Wines and Broadside. Now, both these brands, super different as are both these paths, but what's the same is both these paths share a time of service to the US Navy. Melanie and I show up to Adam Lazar's office, loft, lounge, I don't know what it is, but this place is super nice. What do you say? Let's cheers some veterans.
3: Give me that we'll get by. We pass all round till the job is out in the trees it will simplify Good company.
0: Cheers, friends! Cheers! Oh, we got to get some
4: wine for Melanie. Oh, well, heck, yeah! She's (laughs) a thirsty girl. (laughs) She's been wine club and everything
2: like that. She's the one that talked
4: about opening the Alberino
0: too. I I
2: love his (laughs) Alberino. It's, it's so fun to hang grapes. out with you guys.
0: <laughs> I love this. This is a lot of fun. And this show has a deeper importance to me because it is our Veterans Day right. episode. And both of you have served both in the U.S. Navy. And I think of, actually, I think of a last episode where I think all three gentlemen, because Leon Tackett was Navy too. Yeah. We oh, yeah. know how was. We know uh, Sherm was. Let's cheers to Sherm Smooth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that episode was just fire. And listening yeah. to him tell his stories. And here's a guy who yeah. didn't even think he'd end up in the air. Wanted to be a veterinarian yeah and then everything just like it's almost like when something is born in you and comes alive inside of you, and you know to to say that he died doing what he loved doing is like an understatement. I mean he oh, died sure. doing what was through every thread of his being and uh it, it's uh this is gonna be a really fun episode to think of sherm and and yeah. to just like kind of remember him when you first met sherm melanie what what do you think of her or your friendship with him or acquaintanceship or how did you know him?
2: I didn't know him very well. You didn't well. know him? Okay. No, not very well. Um, I did attend his talk at uh, the Astaria Warbirds Museum. Where yeah. Oh, cool. talked about going over to Normandy. Yeah. And I, was still, I still talk about that. Doing
0: like the, the 75th right. anniversary? Yes.
2: That Unbelievable. Was incredi- that was an incredible story. Yeah. So that was, that was really cool. Really and
0: then cool. after he passed, I played a, when he did that 75th anniversary flyover, it was also the 70th or something anniversary of the Berlin Airlift. And they wanted to do something different then, and he tells this great story on the air, which you probably told in front of that group. Yep, but sure. everyone was like, "What are they doing?" Oh, just Sherman was just a, an exceptional dude. Any stories you
4: have? Or- I no, I, I've only read about his exploits. I met him once, twice actually. Yeah, uh, but uh, no, everyone talked about him. But I know, you know, we know a lot of the veterans here. Uh, you know, you had John Pianet in uh, on yeah. once at uh-huh. Naval Aviator, and right. And uh, speaking of uh, D-Day, my dad was there at the zero anniversary on really? Utah Beach. Yep. Unbelievable! Yeah, I got a story online.
0: Well, thank you both for your service to our country. I want to talk about both of your service to our country. I mean, how did you wine? We'll talk about how you found Paso and where wine took you. But how did you find service to our country, Melanie?
2: I was uh, in nursing school, and I wanted to travel, be a travel nurse, but not be bouncing from assignment to assignment. So I, this was 2004. I started talking with the Navy. They at the time they had a lot of money. They were recruiting medical pretty heavily they flew me to San Diego. I got to walk around on the the hospital ship and I was like, yeah, this looks like fun. So I joined in 2005 and um, yeah, I went to San Diego for a few years. I ended up in Naples, Italy for three years, which was amazing, which is where my love of wine comes from. And yeah, so I was a, an active duty nurse. I did 14 years active duty uh, and I loved it. So when
0: you're stationed there, you're stationed on a ship
2: Actually, there's not very many nurses on ships in the Navy. There's one nurse per carrier. So there's about 12 nurses in the Navy that are actually on... On ships full time, but the Comfort and the Mercy are the two hospital ships, and they'll go out on deployments, and then that's when they'll backfill us. So,
0: well, we saw those even during COVID. Yes, as one went to San Francisco, one went to LA. Yes, thank God they didn't need to be, didn't yes. be used very much. Right.
2: Yes, and I had friends on both of the ships.
0: Really. So. Mm-hmm.
2: How different? I mean, I don't know if you were a nurse
0: in the civilian sector or the mm-hmm. private sector, but how different of the experience is being a U.S. Navy nurse versus maybe a civilian or private sector nurse?
2: No, that's a good question. So it's really Really not that different in a hospital setting except we are training corpsmen so our big mission is really to train the corpsmen because we usually get them on there for a second tour so we're training them medically because they're going to go out with the Marines next and be the only medical care that, that those Marines might get in the field. So that is a, a much different mission where a Navy nurse has versus a civilian nurse. Is, it's really training these these young corpsmen so that they can go on and do amazing things. But otherwise, you know, in the hospital, you're doing much of the same, same work. The times that were different, of course, were deployments. So I did get to go to Central and South America for six months on the comfort. We did a humanitarian mission there. Or. harder the language barrier. Um yeah, that was definitely difficult. We had translators that would come around with us. Um I always joke that I got really good at Pacu Spanish because that's <laughs> all I needed to to know. But yeah, it was it was interesting. The hardest one was Haiti. Um we went there one year after the earthquake hit and yeah, there was still a lot. We were you know, doing recovery surgeries on folks that we had been the ship had been there for the year before and and of course they don't speak Spanish. So, yeah. It was very different.
0: And then what year do you get out of serving, and then how does that <laughs> translate to finding wine?
2: Yep, absolutely. So in 14, I went to Afghanistan. 15, I went to Guantanamo Bay. And so when I got back to California, I was just kind of ready for something different. I was stationed at Camp Pendleton and started coming up here and working with Leon Tackett. So even though Leon Tackett and I are both Navy veterans, we didn't know each other in the service, but he served with my uncle, who was EOD. Wow. So He was on the last year's veteran show. Yeah. Yes, yes. No he way. Was. Yeah, yeah. So he- um, Guantanamo of- Bay, you were at Guantanamo
0: Bay. Yes. What was that like? <laughs> oh my God, can we have a drink and just talk about that for a minute? Are oh. you Are you the nurse for the prisoners? Yes, I was, yes. Are you the yeah. nurse for like these terrorists? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm what is that like how do you like you know what are you what's going through your head and how are you doing it
2: yeah that was, obviously
0: you're doing your job or you're doing your duty right exactly
2: and that was the hard part i was there while we were actively releasing a lot of the detainees to leave so i was in a very different spot than a lot of the people before me when it was much more heavily populated but it was still it was still a very very unique experience is it intimidating Yes, I mean, they've been there for you know a long time now. They know what they're doing more than I do because that's my first time there. so the one good thing is that i I went as a lieutenant commander, so I had some rank, and they knew that. The ones i that I really struggled with were the the younger, uh, especially the female. You know sailors and um, soldiers because they they kind of got picked on a little more than we did
0: what about the um the prisoners there? Do they show deference and respect or are they are they horrible people to deal with? Like, I have no idea what to even expect what What was that like
2: I mean it was a little bit of both they again they 've been there a long time. they know how to play the game so they're they're willing to do what it takes to get their way they 're still in the fight it was it was really um Difficult on some days, but more yeah. of a mental,
0: more of a mental game. Afghanistan
2: or Guantanamo? Oh, Guantanamo for sure. Why is that? Afghanistan. I was on a small little fob out in the middle of nowhere, just basically out there in case any of the special forces guys got hurt. Thankfully, they didn't get hurt very much. So there, it was very clear who you were taking care of, what your mission was. But yeah, in Guantanamo Bay, it was a little less um, clear really? and so that made it difficult when
0: you see like the big news a year or so ago of like our exit from afghanistan you must feel a, a little bit more of an invested knowledge of observation because you were there yes are you watching this going oh my god what what, what what were these like feelings that stir up in you at home watching us exit a place that you were there and served so admirably
2: it was, I mean, just like everybody else, it was difficult watching some of the images, especially knowing, you know, so many of my friends and family have been there multiple times and the best analogy i heard that actually made me kind of come at peace with it is that you know if you are fighting cancer and you get a 20 year stay that's still pretty good and so we by us being there by some of the work we got to do maybe we gave another generation of children at least a, a chance
0: so. well absolutely i mean there's girls that grew right. up in that time and, yeah. that that lived a life that young girls didn't know before that might not be knowing now i mean it's pretty impressive the work that was
2: oh yeah it was like i said it was it was very very interesting and yeah we were out on a teeny tiny little operating base and we took care of some of the kids some of the locals and yeah it was again that was but it was all very those ones were a little more like humanitarian so we treated broken legs and
0: was one place scarier than another did you ever have fear
2: um Or
0: you felt pretty safe?
2: If my mom listens to this, I probably don't want to answer that one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll just take that inference, yeah. but we'll spare we'll spare Mama. I get it, uh, Adam. It's uh, it's good to see you, my man. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. I feel you? like our, our the I mean from old Vegas and Juliet days. Oh, yeah. Like I've just always loved connecting with you. Our rapport has always been strong and fun. I've always really dug you. Uh, so thanks for having us up. By the way, where you have Melanie and I now, this is a pretty bomb office space isn't you it, got.
4: Isn't it? Yeah, it beats my uh, kitchen table. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is your office. You got couches. I mean, this is like a lounge. Yeah. This is the broadside. Loftus, I I call it Loftus, but it's a tasting lounge for our broadside wines. It's one of the wines that I make. First off, I needed a place... You know, our main winery is up in Santa Rosa, and I'm here alone, just bouncing around, making all the wines for the company uh, around the West Coast. And our primary production facility is down in Center of Effort down in Edna Valley. Oh, cool. I've been a a Roblin. Uh, This is my 20th year now. I've lived out here, and I love Paso Robles, and I've got a young daughter and and, I want to raise her here. So um, I needed a place that I could go and I could actually make wine. So I've got this great office, laboratory uh, that you saw when you come in, but also... We've had so many people... um you know, for a company that's growing as quickly as ours, we have distributors, we have retailers, we have wholesalers, restaurateurs. They all want to come to Paso Robles. You know, Paso Robles is still a new thing for a lot of people. Right. And so, as as all of us have watched this thing grow exponentially over the last ten years, uh, we get visits, requests for visits, and so we wanted to have a place where, you know, a group. We had for example. We had um, all the managers for a very large wine bar chain that's in uh, all the airports come up here, and they needed a place to come taste wine. We I've had a, I had a big wine writer up here. Here for several days, who tasted through 200 Paso Robles wines. No, way. And they just needed some privacy. And, you know, so where we're located, um, we can lock the door, no one can get in. And uh, we wanted to make it really comfortable and, you know, people can come up. I'll make a phone call, call a couple of restaurants, get some, you know, call Melanie or somebody else up, you know, to get uh, some tasting room visits for some of these people. So,
0: party. I love it. Yeah. This place is, is awesome. It's beautifully decorated. We're here on this big, long, beautiful wood table. We've got some great wines laid out. Adam, before we get into the wines today, uh, break down uh, where wine took you and then how you uh, started your service to the country
4: interesting so I had a kind of a you know, Hollywood it was a Hollywood baby my parents were actors and I ended up growing up uh, kind of in the backstage of a theater in a, a university in New York my dad became a theater professor and then Dean um, he uh, landed on the beaches of Normandy as an 18 year old kid and wow. uh, yeah, he he. I had him before he passed away. I had him write uh, all of that down, and it's harrowing. It's really, it's ridiculous. I mean, the, the brave. You know, talk about the bravery of these kids who are eighteen, just launching right into you know hellfire, and watching other you know kids in the Midwest and stuff have never seen anything other than a dead dog before. You know, seeing their friends all, you know blown to bits. So he was in World War II, and then. I was at the time I was living in New York. I was kind of in a dead end position. I had dropped out of college. I was at the University of Buffalo into aerospace engineering major. Couldn't handle the pressure. Didn't have the discipline. Didn't have the discipline. So I played, you know, lead guitar in a in a band in New York and tended bar. And I was just thinking, you know, I'm so much better than this. Um, I'm so much smarter than what I'm doing. I am living in my parents' basement, for Christ's sake. And so, um, you know, my sister had joined the Navy just a few years earlier as a Navy nurse, uh, retired not too long ago as a Navy captain. And um, I was like, okay, one day I just walked into a Navy recruiting office and just said, what do you got? And I took the uh, the asvab test, thinking like, thinking and did like great. no big
0: deal, or thinking I'm, I, might, I might walk out of I here. Need,
4: I need to get I need to I need a shake up in my life. Yeah. And I think and I, I I met a lot of kids who joined. You know, a lot of people kids joined for patriotism. They joined for sense of duty, and some of them joined because they need a kick in the in the ass. Really, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's kind of what I did. And I blossomed. I loved it, and I was in for almost seven years. Um, I was shipboard. Was on a, a Tomahawk test platform. We went around. We test uh, Russian territory. Excuse me. At the time, Soviet territorial waters. Right. So we'd go up, you know, off of Siberia and wait for their response. And then I was in Bremerton, where you where you were born, for a couple of years, uh, uh, a naval shipyard. And then uh, spent the last year and a half of my duty managing airfield electronics maintenance on a little island called Diego Garcia, where we launched the B-52 bombers for the Gulf War during Uh, during that time. Wow. Yeah, so that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you saw these planes for the first time, I mean, because I remember when I first saw these planes on TV for the first time, you're like, whoa. And every time you see, like, a new plane, you're just like, what? You never... that's what's been going on. Yeah, you never
4: stop, you know, feeling that sense of awe when you think one of these things come in. And you get a windy day, and you realize that they can turn on the... On you know sideways, almost on the runway, taking off, and these planes, you go into the cockpit, and they still have a lot of the wood consoles at the time, and you see people, uh, pilots had carved their names in there fifty no, I, years ago, no. forty years ago, and they still, they're still all up there, and it was just uh, you know these tiny little cramped spaces, you know, no bigger than a, than a telephone booth, and uh, you know we lost a plane right off of Diego Garcia that was pretty sad, but uh, man, yeah, it was. Uh,
0: what were some of these times like? Because I'm thinking back to, you know, obviously Gulf War. We're talking the, the first Gulf War or the oh, 03 Gulf War? First Gulf War. First Gulf War. So like 92, 93, yeah. right? This is when... Well, before, he,
4: before that, it's, uh, it was... 91. 90.
0: 91. When Iraq, he <laughs> made it Kuwait. Yeah, yeah. And this was the first time that w- that generation, I'm, I'm a kid, we're, we haven't seen a war mm-hmm. like this before, but it was all about like, you know, there was it, it was a really like, an, it was an intense time. It was a really like, wow, this is what was really happening. What were you... You, you know, I asked, you know, Melanie, did, did these were, were you scared at all? Are you thinking, oh my god, or is it just like yeah, this is what I'm here
4: for? Do you feel this yeah. sense of like I got this or what? Well, I was pretty well protected, being about 900 miles from the uh, from the front lines. Yeah. But I- it, what I, I just you know when I went out there there was before any of these tensions so i 'm out there with two thousand other sailors the british i 'm kind of windsurfing my way through the last you know, year and a half of my, my duty and and uh, you know sunbathing on the beach and watching sea turtles come up and lay their eggs next to you and leave again and then but we had what was called a maritime prepositioning unit, so it 's a, a bunch of merchant marine ships that just sit in a lagoon and we have a bunch of these around the world and they just sit there and sit there waiting for a war to break out you know one ship will have ammunition, another ship will have tanks and things like that another ship have all the MASH units, um, logistical stuff. And so I became friends with a lot of these guys. And I just remember the day that... um, uh, that uh, Kuwait was invaded I was out on one of these merchant marine ships Fixing somebody's radio So I could get, so I could get fresh milk and steak Which is something we didn't get uh, on the island very often And I just remember being asked to, to leave the ship immediately And there were all these little boats coming in from the mainland All these guys with these red binders That said top secret And they were gone within hours And I was like, uh-oh So I, we ended up having to go to CNN To find out what was going on Wow Yeah that's incredible when you watch the news now
0: i mean is it kind of like oh damn i mean is a part of you that like wants to like channel that that me that was there then and, and be there now or is it just like god oh, thank goodness that you know i'm th- this chapter of our story and life story happened now where i'm here
4: making wine and beautiful paso robles or or what what, you, what goes through your head well here's i mean here's where we are and and this is what life you know this is the uh the hand that uh, god dealt me and this is how i wanted to play it and I tried to stay. I loved the service, and I loved uh, what we do and our mission, and everybody in the service. Anyone who dedicates himself to that, even even just the, the reservist, the smallest, smallest dedication. My father always believed that it was our duty, uh, every American's duty, to serve somehow, even if it's not the military, just serve in you know in some type of official capacity. And so. Um, you know, I fell in love with wine while I was in the service, um, actually a little place outside of Bremerton, in Washington, and uh, I went uh, during my leave uh, uh, while I was on Diego, uh, went to a couple of universities, I fell in love with Fresno State and went there immediately afterwards. I tried to stay in the reserves. For a period of time which was good but the problem is we kept having armed you know conflicts right in the middle of harvest and so it became difficult for me to commit to, <laughs> right. commit to making wine and i got a, like a buddy of mine he's an av seal reservist and he's like oh can you take a, can you keep an eye on my wines for me you know i've got can, uh, during harvest i got to go over to iran you know it's like okay bye be, be safe did it make your dad proud to see you lost at that stage and then choose that noble path
0: that that he chose too?
4: he dropped me off at the Met station um where the entrance where you enter enter into the service, and he said he he watched me go up the stairs, and he cried and cried. When, st- when did he pass away? Uh, he passed away um, in 1996. And you said you. Got his stories. Oh yeah, no. from him. Yeah, he he
0: wrote his uh, World War II uh, Did that feel like you and him came to like some? And you might have had a great relationship and in and outside ways. But did did the service of the country feel like the fact that he got to see you do that? Like yeah. you got to, You got to come to a full circle place with him.
4: Well, I always felt that I had, had disappointed him. And yeah. uh, you know, at the time, we've been drinking, smoking cigarettes, and and smoking pot, and just going nowhere. You know, trying to get a job in Rochester, New York, which already had a ridiculously high unemployment rate and uh, I just he, I think he knew I've, that I could do better yeah. and I could I could succeed and uh, God our parents so, know that, us so
0: well isn't that crazy
4: yeah so I mean <sighs> that changed our dynamic of our relationship and, I mean he was always there and, and supportive but um, I think everything changed once I joined the service and I felt proud I felt happy with what I was doing I felt complete and uh, it, was, it was a great way to finish Was the it. completion
0: and that fulfillment was it all because of what you were doing which I mean that's all really it deserved to be but was a part of it because your dad was feeling that too
4: I think my dad was feeling it yeah. and uh, you know my mom was scared of course as all parents are when their kids go in the, in the service but again I, I think um, he had an enormous level of pride I didn't discover this until you know years later mm. but I just felt that we had grown a lot closer I felt really happy that I was actually doing something productive like serving my country and then, but also at the same time I'm making my dad really happy Yeah, my dad actually at 17 uh, snuck across the border to Canada to join their military because they, they were already in the war with the Brits. And uh, some uh, military recruiter up there called my dad's dad and had him come up and pick him up and say, you can't wait until you're you're 18, you know.
0: Insane stories. And I think we probably got like a trickle of that in 01 after 9-11, where you saw just like this, you know, heaping mound of patriotism where it didn't matter what, what letter was next to your registration as far as how you voted, but we were all just like Americans then. And, you know, the president's throwing out sick pitches at the World Series and the men and women are over there. I mean, everything just felt like we were all just about it, you know? Yeah. You know, Melanie and Adam, you both talked about how your love for wine kind of was born within these the within service to our country. You're in Italy, and you're just like starting to, what, sip on some of the wine in Naples, Melanie?
2: Yes. <laughs> I actually didn't uh, drink wine before I got orders to Naples, and I remember the day I got my orders, and my, my roommate at the time was like, you better start drinking wine. I was like, okay. Um, I mean, I was probably 26 when I got over there, were you into
0: beer? Were you into booze at all?
2: Oh, yeah. So you, yes. you were part <laughs>
0: the Sailor for Christ's <laughs> sake. yeah. <then>. Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> I was in, you know, we would, uh, we were in San Diego. So, yes, we went out oh, sure. quite a bit. And yeah, Did you I'll go down to
0: Mexico a little bit?
2: Uh, we weren't technically allowed.
0: Yeah. So we'll leave it there. <laughs> okay. So were, were you were, were you a wild gal or what?
2: Well, I wouldn't say that wild. Okay. So, but, um, Your mom's not listening. I Come know, on. It's okay. No, but... <laughs> Um, But I did start drinking wine. I got to Italy. And of course, the wines there are just so much different than the, you know, the barefoot Merlot I was probably drinking in San Diego, because that's what we drank at 26 or whatever. So but yeah, my landlord was making wine in his garden shed basement. And so I I was the one at all the wine tasting we'd go to asking all the super nerdy questions and... How do they get the strawberries in the wine? That's
0: always a good one. All the ones yeah. you hear, you're tasting yes, them now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Tell me about the legs. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved, I, what I loved um, a lot was the family vineyards where they've been farming these for hundreds of years and they would go they could tell you about the weather 20 years ago and then you go in and the nona is cooking you a meal and you just get to sit and hang out with them and i was like i loved how wine just brought everybody together and it was just it was such a different way of life than what we do here in america italians do that well don't they oh my gosh yeah they they, they what is it they um, they work just enough to live. They don't live to work like we do. Yeah. So, yeah, and so, I, so it was always in my you know my plan that someday I would own a vineyard and make wine, and then this yeah I was presented <laughs> with the opportunity, and I was just like okay. I'll how do it who, now?
0: Who just presented with that opportunity? Were you were you looking for this? Were you?
2: So. Leon Tackett, um, I had come up for an event and I think I'd had a bad week at work. And I said, All right, Leon, that's it. I want to get out of the Navy and just buy my own vineyard. Yeah. And he's like, Well, I think Joyce and Wally are selling. So he. He texted Joyce, the previous owners of Boniche, and we went up on a Saturday evening. They poured me some Petite Verdot at sunset on the patio, and I said, "Okay."
0: And when you buy a winery, I mean, do you Mm -hmm. got money? I mean, you you, your family got? How do you do that? Like, how you just buy? If
2: someone just going to buy a winery,
0: like I'm I'm sure I'd love one, but I can't buy a winery, girl.
2: Well, so I what I always say is, you know, I deployed a few times and I don't have kids, so I I did have some money saved up. Um, I my house in Oceanside, I actually sold. For more than what I bought the winery for, so I did have some friends and family help, um, you know, invest at the beginning, and Fine. that's what how we got the funds.
0: That's got to feel good. Everyone's got your back, yes. and they're all like, "It was amazing. You got this. That's cool."
2: I, it was really, it was really amazing. A little. It was a little difficult because you know I'd never farmed before. I'd never made wine before. So trying to find somebody willing to give me a loan to do this mm-hmm. was um, a little more challenging. But were I you was, that lucky, Adam, when you first started?
4: <laughs> uh, um, I, I Everything I did by myself. Yeah. So, yeah. I had no no money was given me or anything like that. And I just remember when Melanie was starting and when Leon and she were coming in and saying, "I'm going to do this," and I'm like, "Is there any way I can talk you out of it?" <laughs> I think I remember. I'm like, you, are, you, "Are you sure you really want to get into this?" Yep. Have Yan said
2: the same the wine thing. thing. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. It's,
0: yeah. I, I always, mean you know, I make jokes about likening radio to the wine business because, first of all, you could joke about the pay. You know, you don't get into the wine business to make a shit ton of money, no, no. nor radio. But when it is in your soul, and when it's alive in you. There's just nothing like it. And when you get to go and, you know, pull back that big door, or when I get to open my studio door and crack that mic every day, and it doesn't feel like work, yeah. there's just something so magical about that.
4: Yeah. And I don't want to speak for Melody, but I, I'm guessing she, like me, feels that there's probably nothing else we'd be doing if, now that we know what we're doing. That's now. exciting. Yeah. So you, you take over this brand. Now, when
0: you take over the brand, are you taking over back inventory? Like, how do you negotiate on um, my property? Everything?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. All of it. Yes. They didn't keep anything? They keep a few cases? Kept, oh, yeah.
2: They kept a few cases, you know, like, the, the older wines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I... And
0: who are you who are you calling, texting, paging at the time to be like, hey, I, I need to learn vineyards. I need to learn how to make wine. I, I want to make... It was obviously Leon and some other friends, right?
2: Yes. And, you know, after I left Naples, I did read a lot of books. I, that's actually what got me through all my deployments was like reading books about making wine and growing grapes. was doing this. He's flying continental.
0: He's going over back while it's on autopilot. He's reading all the... <laughs> About winemaking, isn't that great? Yeah. I yeah. love it. <laughs> oh, I remember the I remember the books over on Diego Garcia that I carry, carry over. This. Really? Yeah. So you guys are just you guys are just soaking it up because yeah. it's in you. Mm-hmm. It's in you. Okay, go ahead.
2: <laughs> um, when I was in San I took classes at San Diego State University, and they have a business of wine program there. And so I had I had some great resources. Uh, with them, and so I was literally putting my business plan together um, while I was in these classes, Um, so I had an idea of what I was getting into, Um, but really, like, yeah, having... (laughs) Having Leon there, he's the one I text when I have questions about things, when I mess something up, or when something's coming in and I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, Super it's getting, cool dude, it's, I really it, like him. And those texts are, I think, getting a little less frequent, which is nice. i you know, there's times I'm like, oh man, I'm so glad I have you on Speed yeah, Dial right now. oh, that's now. cool. So, but yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun, and you know, the the farming. Is a lot more fun than I thought it would be. We got our sustainability and practice certification last year, and Good I have for you. sheep and goats and a pig now that all help. Trying manage. some biodynamic aspects. I'm, yeah, regenerative. Flirting with it, regenerative, yes, or even yeah. look at cool regenerative. A- something we're
0: having even more now, right. Of late,
2: yes. And it's you know it's, it's only seven acres. I probably will never get that certification, but it's a, it's a cool process. You know, I kind of nerd out on soil health and watching the vines. You know, this a lot
0: is- of folks got to know this isn't cheap either. Like to go, you know, to go sub certified. Like these are investments that you're making within yourself and mm-hmm. within your within your practices, right? You know, so that people can know, like, hey, like we're really being good stewards of what we got here.
2: Yes, and I do sell some of my fruit, so it's nice to know that, like, the wineries that purchase my fruit can put that on their label. Yeah. I can put that on mine. But I do. I have seven acres. I grow Malbec, Petit Verdot, and a little bit of Cab Franc. And then I, ooh, Cab Franc.
0: Yeah, I'm least... listening. Heck yeah, I love <laughs> Cab Franc. Cool.
2: I only have four rows. So, um, I'm lucky to get a full barrel. I got a full barrel this year.
0: Um, How much wine are we making every year?
2: Um, about 600 cases. Yeah. I might be a little closer to 700 this year.
0: We got a tasting room?
2: I um, I pour wines for some of my guests on the patio, um, right outside the, the farm building where I make all the wine. Yeah.
0: Because this is a, a label... And a brand I've seen for many, many years. And yes. I, when I was just meeting you as we were coming in, I was setting up, I was saying, Oh, you know, I've known the brand for a long time. And you said you took it over in 2018, right? Yes. But um, yeah, but I've seen these, you know, just that, that label for a lot longer. Why the name Bonniche? Why they do that?
2: Um, well, we grow French varietals. Uh, so I think the idea was to have something. Kind of Frenchy, um, and Boniche loosely translates to a very good place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I have had some French speaking folks come visit me and always tell me that Bonne should have an N and an E at the end. Mm-hmm. But right. we say you know creative liberties we can do what we want. It's so.
0: a name, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the French always want to correct us. Yes, I love it, but they got they did it first. So uh, look at that Boniche. Um, let me ask you, Adam. When in your process, your service, did wine? You know, okay, there's there's something to this. Okay, I want to taste more, I want to learn more, and I want to be more about this. Yeah, so
4: I was actually dry docked at the time. I was on the USS Arkansas. We were a nuclear uh, cruiser uh, getting some retrofitting done up in Bremerton, and I I lived off base a little uh, town called Silverdale, just north, and... uh, They have It's a little wine shop There called uh, uh, Grape Expectations No right Come on Grape Expectations (laughs) Anyway um, I love it So uh, The uh, gal there uh, Saw that I had An interest in wine And uh, You know At uh, at the time It was really about uh, You know Having something You can go out On a date with And know your way around Maybe a wine list And that's kind of How I got started But I had a roommate Who who was A loved one too And so uh, We we, uh, I just started going And picking up wines, and then before too long it was no longer about uh, knowing... What to do on a date? It was just I got the hook. Yeah, uh, you know, it just it, it. I got a there was a wine book Windows in the World by Kevin Israeli. It was the uh, Sommelier up at the top of the Trade Center, and a, a lot of industry people I know started with that. That was the book that got them, and so I made the mistake of buying it, and <laughs> and it was just so well written and got me hooked. And uh, you know, we have a lot of mutual friends who love that book, and and uh, and that was it. So I went overseas, and um, I used to fly. This is great. So every month I would fly at the. Behest of my um, of the air ops boss uh, lieutenant commander ferguson and he would send me to singapore so it was a seven hour flight mac flight jump in the back of a 141 or a c5 if i was lucky because i have seats and uh, i would go to singapore with a shopping list of you know uh, of silks and gold and jewels and things and he liked fake, fake Rolex watches so i you know i have some people i would work with that on orchard street and there was a great um, british market there and in the back they just made massive wine selection so I would just bring back cases of wine now you weren't allowed to bring alcohol onto the island so it's a but it's a British island and and the uh, British customs and they couldn't get they're Guinness, so I'd make sure that I would stash boxes of Guinness, and they would say, you know, you know, Petty Officer Lazar, is there anything you have to declare? I said, I declare, you've got something in box six and seven, and uh, they just waved <laughs> me through. And so we would have wine, you know, wine tastings, and how and much stuff. Guinness would it take to get this cleared? I'd get them, I'd get them several cases. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that was that's the water, that's the water of life for a lot of these guys. They're all, you know, the Brit, it's a British territorial island. So British- you're spending hundreds of dollars probably just yeah. to bring them
0: cases of beer while you're getting your wine, your other stuff, and. Yeah,
4: yeah, That's I didn't have to declare story. anything. Well, they I mean the, the Brits that serve on Br- uh, the British Indian Ocean Territories are all you know SBS, SAS, British Special Forces, Royal Marines, and this is like their one-year skate duty where they get to just relax and be yeah. on a tropical island oh, instead sure. of having to rappel out of helicopters and you know dive in the Arctic. And so uh, they were they were super cool. And like I said, you know, for them, drinking is you know is is uh, you know part of their culture, right? So, so that what a great story. So then, out so then,
0: then you're you're finding out and not only that but you're tasting wines from all over the world.
4: Yeah, no. So that was that was my real. F- I mean, buying wines and er, you know in, in uh, Washington State, it was you know it was Behringer and a few other things. But going over there, I was introduced to the Margaret River. I was introduced to um, parts of France and particularly Spanish wines, um, Italian wines. Uh, but there were a lot of Aussie and New Zealand wines over there. And by then it was just like, holy smoke, what a what the flavors Unbelievable Stuff that you can You can get Out of a grape Is unbelievable
0: Everything but grape flavors Everything but grape flavors Transitioned right? from loving wine To now I gotta be a part of it I gotta make this stuff
4: I knew I wasn't gonna Stay in the service forever There were There's some I I, I knew that And my, you finally Maybe you finally felt You had a, a calling Yeah Well my next My next duty Would have been a great duty I mean, I was offered Embassy duty in Denmark And some things like that i like okay But you know What is that gonna cost me in time I have a mission now And Is so your dad still around at this time or no oh uh, yeah yeah he was still okay. around yeah it was uh, years after that he passed away okay. but um uh, during i actually got a leave in the middle of the gulf war believe it or not and uh, was able to fly to california visit my family and i went and uh, went up to uc davis and went to fresno state and they're, at the time the only two universities that were offering a full-blown bachelor's in oenology and i just liked the uh, energy at fresno and it was you know they called the little trade school in the valley you know tractor u and you know it it, you you immediately it was my first day at school there it was like hey here's three tons of French Columbar to got any questions to ask us it's like what what <laughs> okay as <laughs> you know, a pump try to figure it out you know? yeah and so and there was a lot of science obviously a ton of microbiology and biochemistry but I just like the uh, the uh, energy and the fact that it was just geared towards getting people into winemaking right away total immersion total immersion yeah that's the, and that's kind of the difference between the Cal State and the UC you know you're a bulldog yeah I'm a bulldog go dogs that's pretty cool not a good not a good year but so uh, so anyway. <laughs> Um, You've had I, some good years, though. Oh, I, you I, well, we did, yeah. yeah you're right. So I applied for and got into the Fresno program. Uh, they tr- tried desperately to talk me in, and I went to the retention officer, and I just like, I'm like, I've got, to, I got accepted to university. He's like, you know what? Good luck. Go think of us if you ever want to go ROTC or something. Okay. And so I went to Fresno, um, and you know, this is be my 31st harvest. Never wow, out. yeah. So I made wine. I took uh, almost every fall off from the university. It took me forever to get my degree because I had to go work at wineries. I, I didn't yeah. to. So.
0: Well, it's funny just setting up this appointment. I mean, you and I have been texting back and forth, and it was like, you know, all right, well, you, I, you, got, you got like a... A schedule like One Direction or something. You're touring like a band. You're like I'm in Arizona tomorrow, then I'm in this place on Thursday. I mean, you are a very busy dude, especially this time of year.
4: I am. I am blessed. Is One it, Direction
0: is that the, is that an appropriate musical reference? To that? I don't it, even know.
4: It, I, don't even I just think like, think of like a busy boy band or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I am a busy boy band. That's perfect. That was that was a right. That was a right. Uh, <laughs> So uh, so uh, um, yeah, I'm actually blessed because I think that if I got into the wine business now instead of winemaking now, I wouldn't have had I wouldn't be at a point where I've, I've got a lot of equity in the industry now. And what I like doing is I like being with startups that have money and direction i like creating things creating brands, blowing up we've got we've got you know fastest growing northwest brand in the country right now we've got a bunch of other stuff going on you're a place in your career where you know what you do well and just want to execute i like it and i like to create and if you know i get job offers frequently in napa or sonoma some of these other places to go in and maintain a successful brand and i just don't want to do that i want to start from scratch and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but you've got a bunch of people with the like mind of just wanting to blow something up you like that thrill i like the thrill and well, then you want
0: you want to turn yeah. over and get out of there or you want to stick with it
4: no i want to stick with it i want to see what i can i mean it's about seeing what what you're capable of doing i mean that may have been something that i picked up in the military was that there are people who just maintain and there are people who really want to excel and 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 move up and and do great things and those become the admirals and the captains and the master chief petty officers and all these other people that make decisions and I like to make decisions the the, the real thrill is having my little tiny family brand and the measure of success is just having an extra wine club member you know yeah, how that's cool. you know we sit and we, we open a bottle of wine when we get a new wine club member it is so exciting you know for us but you know f- in my other life I love being a part of creating something that that hits, and uh, like Rex Goliath went to half a million cases in two years, and and uh, and knowing you know there's something to be said knowing for knowing that you know on any given night. Someone's going to open up a bottle of your wine, but there's also something knowing on any given night, five thousand people are going to open up a what bottle a of your wine. You know, and it's uh, wow. I get I get a bigger rush. I think I get a just as big a rush knowing that I'm making a lot of people's lives better. Uh, you know, making their meals a little bit better, the dinners a little bit better. And um, look at that aspect of
0: like um, when you when you're making a wine on that level, there's an aspect of like wow, there's there, there's a, a consistency mm-hmm. that is demanded of you yeah. because. Dude goes into the store in Des Moines, Iowa is different than the lady who goes into the store in Santa Monica, but they want to have that same bottle of wine. Why? Because they know that this is what I'm expecting when I pop this cork. And although Mother Nature gives me something different, whether it's a non-vintage wine or a vintage wine, this is what I know when I open a Broadside cab or a whatever. Fill in the blank And you have to offer That some that consistency When you know With these small lot wines Of course we all love To appreciate what Mother Nature did The fingerprint of the yeah. Winemaker And what he or she Did do it But I mean I imagine there's A certain difficulty In finding this consistency That you draw through Hundreds
4: of thousands Of cases Well I'm never satisfied With anything I make Really I am always unhappy Worst critic Yeah and I am My own worst critic It has only been In the last couple of years Where I put something In the bottle and said You know what I don't think I could Have done that any better But with the, the larger brands That we do such as Broadside in Portland, and not really all that large. They're just part of a, a larger company. I approach them as if I'm making my own wine for my own company, and it's I'm constantly working. The beautiful thing is I'm, I'm in charge, and I get to. Consistency is good, but I want to make it better each year and each year. And it takes several years to work with a vineyard before you can finally figure it out. And no amount of you know tricks and stuff in the in the lab can ever replace. You know, it's like a dance, it's like a marriage.
0: It is. Well, it's, it's a, like you really get the intimacies of knowing. Oh, well, when it rains like this, probably expect this. You know what I mean? Like every little intricacy is
4: something that you'll you'll gain to learn. We're not making gearboxes. We are creating something from the earth, yeah. know, year after year. And so I, I work really closely with our growers. You know, Melanie obviously has to know every single vine within her vineyard, and she can. I'm sure she can speak more to it. But you know, again, it's it's trying to make always make and improve. Uh, what you're doing and trying little things out to see if, if this will improve it and it'll make it better. And I, the I, uh, measure of success for me at this level is is if the, the brand is starting to move, we're starting to get traction. Right. So then I I know I'm on the right track. But again, I will never sit down and tell you this is a great bottle of wine because I, yeah. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. It has to be better. Are you that hard on yourself, Melanie?
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's only you in the cellar, really. I mean, there's a, right. uh, you know, it's a it's right. very different size operation.
2: Right. Yes. So yeah, it is just me out there. I have zero employees. It's all friends and family support that comes out and helps me. My dad and my grandpa came down to help me with Harvest. And yeah, it's just, it's, uh, I am so fortunate to have so many people willing to just come, you know, shovel some grapes for a while. It's uh but it's fun. But because I do, I get to I'm literally touching everything that, you know, from the day we pick it to the day we bottle it. And that's pretty pretty cool.
0: Are you 100% DTC, direct to consumer? Yep. You are. So there's no I'm not going to be able to find it in a store on a wine list.
2: Not yet. My goal in 2020 was to get into a restaurant, and of course that didn't happen. So Yeah, because kind of on-premise yeah. was like <laughs> Yeah.
0: <"Pew."> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Shh. laughs>
2: So, <laughs> like the wild
0: coyote. coming Yes, from. man.
2: So, yeah, someday I would love to see my name on a you know on a wine Let's list somewhere. Let's get you on a wine list. You will. You
0: know, it, what would what, be? I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure it happens. What, would it be this Malbec?
2: It very well could let's be. Okay, yeah. well, let's
0: first of all, before we get into the Malbec, I want to talk about, we went through two wines as we've been having these great stories. I've been loving this conversation. We started out with the Lazar Albarino. I love your labels because they remind me of just like looking into your eyes, personality, like you are bright, you are all over the place. This is just a cool label. And what a beautiful wine.
4: Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, <laughs> it's the grapes, you know, and we're, I, I've, after 30 years, I don't work with Crappy grapes anymore I don't have the patience Amen right I don't Amen No I, time for I, I demand, it No no You know you're, it, it's garbage in Garbage out It's right. only as good As your raw materials you're not, you're, Your margarita is only good As the quality tequila That went into it amen. Right Jose Cuervo was not going to cut mm-hmm. it uh, First off The label is her Visualization of what Heavy metal music looks like Nice so That's why we got All these crazy colors And Things. It's actually a photograph of, a, believe it or not, of an oil slick, top of an oil slick. And just no up, got, way. Yeah. That's so cool. It's it's the most expensive, most expensive label in the world to produce. Yeah, it goes through five times. So. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I don't even want to tell you how much that label, co- how much that bottle of wine, that char- what I'm charging you for that bottle of wine, how much of that is in the la- cost of really? the Really? Yeah, is it that it's, much, huh? It's ridiculous, yeah.
0: What do you like about this one, Melanie? Because you mentioned, oh, I like his, I love his Albarino.
2: Yes. I, um, anytime I see it on a wine list here in town, that's always what I what oh. I go for. Is that right? So, yes. Oh, yeah. that's really sweet. No, um, <laughs> thank you. Um, Oh, of course, yeah, and you know, I we don't see a lot of Albarinos here in Paso. I wish we saw more, but I always know yours is going to be good. So, yeah,
4: that's very kind. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We're pouring
0: the uh, first red wine of our experience. This is the Boniche Malbec, and this is one of the three varietals that you grow out there, right? It is, yes.
2: Yeah, we started with the rosé, which is I also make out of Malbec. It's really, it's really a fun fun rosé. I've had it called the rosé for red wine drinkers cuz yeah. it's a little little more full body. Got structure, it's nice. Yes. Um I actually did that in 2019. I hadn't sold all the fruit on my property. I couldn't justify buying another red grape to make a rosé with so I I was like well we'll just pick a ton and see what happens and I sold out in three months so I keep doing it I think I keep making it better and yeah it's a lot of fun it's a fun grape to make a rosé with
0: I asked this of you know Daniel Callahan uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> of um, the Slamdance Wine Cooperative anyways he is a Big metal fan. Yeah. Like, the harder it is, the better it is. Yeah. What are you into? Like, give me the
4: give most me song like on a more, uh, um, I like something a little more. I like something a little more. Why don't we uh, start off uh, like some old school Limp Biscuit, you know? Okay. To get it right, a Saliva. You know, Click, Click, uh-huh. Boom is a great one. I'll often start my workouts with that one because it's like anthem rock. You know, you want to sing to the, the chorus, and it's, uh, you know, uh, yes. even not even branch out. Eminem is kind of hard rock as far as rap goes, so mm-hmm. you can get that way. So,
0: what, is, um, what are some of the things that you'll be listening? to Melanie when you're in Harvest
2: well it's it's funny that you brought up Eminem so that was actually one of our favorite experiences this uh <laughs>
0: so this is what Adam's crying yes, too yep yep punching down to this yeah oh. and are you just blaring it or what yeah as loud as I can get as it. In my loud as loud as I can get it. What are we playing? Are we doing on some Bluetooth speakers, or we have some speakers set up, or what?
4: Oh, I've got a set of a set of, uh, set of noise canceling because not everyone else can listen. To this. <laughs> oh yeah. What's <laughs> so on your headphones? Yeah. But if I can, but I'm the only one in the gym, and I have access to the radio. It's just going on pretty loud. Limbiska too is like right when I. I mean, I'm dating myself,
0: but this is when, like when I grew up. Like I, I know, I know about Limp Bizkit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: remember this. All right, what is yours Melanie? I gotta pull yours up
2: oh gosh uh, I think this year it was Eminem a lot it was really? we were, well we were listening uh, we were out picking with one of the the farm crews and they were playing their music um, which is most mostly you know spanish-speaking music mm-hmm. um, and Eminem came on their playstation and they were all singing along what Eminem song Um...
0: The one like like yeah. mom spaghetti. Yeah. Other, lose yourself. Yeah, lose yourself. Uh, thank you. There's it just is. something about this. It's like, oh, I know. You hear like this, everybody. you're just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like stretching your neck out, <laughs> moving your arms. You're like, I'm ready for what's up. I got this punch down. One I'm going to make this punch down, my bitch. Oh, I was at Epic one year, and I'm doing this punch down, and they're on these big things and with the harnesses and stuff, and I'm trying, and they got the, the big tool, and I'm like, trying. And this cap is like, and you guys no, both know all about this, sure. but I'm like, Come on. And then Jordan's like, well, it's like half STEM inclusion. I'm like, oh, God. And then, of course, Zach comes up, who's their assistant winemaker. And God bless him. You know, he just gets up there and he's just like,
4: he's so mad, but he won't
0: give up, I mean, just right through that cap in a second. Like, I like, mean, I started that. I started that, Zach. That was on me that started that, but. <laughs> <laughs> but music does make a difference doesn't it sure absolutely
4: I love that and I've seen I've seen studies which show that music can impact how you taste and smell wines yes. so interesting yeah it's fascinating there's a company a little startup up in the north coast that uh, would pair what your tasting room music it would pair music with what you would serve so it would encourage people to taste more and maybe buy more yes and it wasn't a subliminal thing it was just like you know maybe Mozart guess what Mozart does doesn't work with Sauvignon Blanc But Metallica does You know So they would Really? Yes. Yeah, that was kind of oh, it, One of their findings Was that Metallica Pairs better with Sauvignon Blanc than We,
2: we did that at you know. One of our sensory classes At San Diego State It was a whole evening Of How tasting do they know wine How Well experience But you know Taste and emotions Are all tied into Your limbic system It's yeah. all the same So yeah The next time you're at home Try playing music you like Versus music you don't like And drink the same wine I had some of the Cheapest Chardonnay but when you played it with the Beach Boys, man, it was
0: amazing. See now you're in you're in my cellar right now. Okay. We're probably hey, baby. <laughs> like, yo, here we go, let's do some punch downs. <laughs> I'll be over here next to bay number four. I got a bottle of champagne and caviar waiting for you. (laughs) When we're done, here we go. Let's do some punch downs with Ambrosia's Biggest Part of Me. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. This or some R&B, for sure. Oh, my God. I love it. But music is like a fuel, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So interesting. Oh, I love this conversation. So much fun. Now, if somebody wants to taste Lazar Wines, how
4: do they do that? They can go to Mm LazarWines.com, wines plural. Uh, They can email me at Adam at LazarWines dot um, They can give me a call eight three one.
0: I don't mind giving my number out. Well, you just put your cell phone number out. Yep. You know this podcast heard all
4: fifty states, ninety one countries. Uh, let's take that one out. <laughs> So yeah, they can go to uh, they can they can email me at right. lazarwines.com or then go to the website and get a hold of us through there. So. Cool.
0: Well, I would love for you to connect with both these brands. Well, for sure Broadside too, but I'd love for you to connect with um, Lazar and both Boniche because they're both small mom and pop brands that would um Love to hear from you that you heard them on the podcast. And the next time you are visiting Paso Robles, it would be really fun for you to uh, come and figure out how you can taste these wines. Now, broadside wines, literally in all 50 states. Oh, they're probably in all, all 50 states, right?
4: I think we're well pretty close. Mostly, okay. We're in a, in a couple of countries, too. So, Dope. I love it. Yeah. yeah, so
0: fun wine, sir. I love this mosh pit. And I love the fact that Paso can do that, right? Yeah. That Paso can just like throw no it together. One else can, no one else can get away with it. No, yeah. no. And, and, and is it because, can no one else get away with it because we're like the Mavericks that we are or is it because like nobody else grows like 40 to 50 varietals so well that they could blend them this well
4: well that you know that that's actually a part of it but also you know we we have been swimming upstream against the likes of some other more well-known wine regions and you know we've we've always been the you know the david versus goliath thing Mm -hmm. and uh, you know they some of these other regions have have kind of paint themselves into a corner with with being Bordeaux driven or being, you know, Burgundy driven. Whereas f- just for what you said, we have, God, I mean, I, I was listening to Chris Toronto, the uh, marketing director for the Passwordless Wine Country Alliance the other day. Uh, we were in Arizona together. I he heard was, he killed it with that master class. Oh my God, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, I got a chance to be My girl it. told me, he's like, oh my God, he did a great job. Well, he, he's he's a master, but he knows probably more about the region. I'm mean, sure he does. He knows more about the region than any one of us. And uh, But what he was t- talking about is the number varieties that that we have growing here and it just and it's like every year all of a sudden someone's growing mencia it's like I I never thought that left Spain what the hell is it going doing here and or or, verdejo or pick pool or something like that and guess what you know and like anything it takes a long time to figure out where to grow but now we have the science Mm -hmm. you can look in satellite and see what in your soil and look at other stuff so we know if I'm going to plant something I know exactly how well it's going to do years from now and it's not like you just put a stick of pinot in the ground and hope it works you know because you have eight years to figure it out you know so so much fun talking with you guys well first of all
0: i want to thank you again for your service to our country i know we focused more on that in the beginning of the show but like really to see and i kind of want to end with this question as we bring back the service and i'll ask melanie first you know what do you think about your service and the time you spent serving the country if anything in there shaped you as the winemaker or business person you are now what would that have been melanie
2: actually that's um that's a Really good question. I remember showing up in Afghanistan. I thought I had another week sitting in Qatar before they flew me over, and I got woken up at two o'clock in the morning because I had to go get on a plane in three hours to get into Bagram. And I remember showing up in Bagram, walking off the plane, and it felt like I was in one of those Star Wars movies where there's just like, you know, all the uh, the big vehicles rolling around, and you're just like, you're in a different world. And they're like, "Well, who's picking you up?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'll figure it out." You know. So we got in, and I I made a couple calls or I emailed somebody, and they 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 came and got me. And I think for me being a winemaker is, I will figure it out. Like. If I can show up to Afghanistan and not know where I'm going to sleep that night, but figure it out. Here's that. So, for, yeah. For so real. PVC pipe repair? Yeah. <laughs> I'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> we got duct tape. We got this. Adam, what is something that you took from your service that you feel makes uh, has shaped the winemaker that you are?
4: So, it is uh, what I learned is exactly what Melanie said. In the electronics world, we call a six step troubleshooting where you take a big problem, my radar is broken, and you break it down into smaller components until you you can identify exactly where the problem is and it's, a, it's kind of a scientific method for doing that but you got to do it with winemaking you are every day you are presented with a problem there are data that doesn't go by where you're not problem solving it is a constant constant battle and uh and so you i approach it like that i've got a big problem you know i've got a problem with this barrel i've got a problem with the grapes i got to break it down into little chunks and manageable chunks then figure out how to how to solve it that way and so that's how i approach everything everything I love that. Yeah. This has been such a fun chat with the both of you. I hope
0: to hang out with you again, Melanie. Yeah. Adam, I hope to party with you again, man, and <laughs> chat with you more and hang out with both of Always you guys. Fun. Not only just appreciating the service, but you really see a, an interesting and, and like notably big amount of, of folks who have served that are in this industry and it's it's really neat and you know I think back to our last episode where we had Leon Tackett who was mentioned a bunch today and to who literally I mean Hal Schmidt literally a top gun and then Sherm who uh, our heart is heavy for whom we just lost a matter of maybe a month or so ago and we're still yet to, to have his memorial service so what you folks um, have done for our country and your service and then what you continue to do for our community now is very much appreciated love you both and appreciate your time and sharing for what it takes you. Thanks for having.
3: Thank you. Give me that time. We'll get by. We pass around till the job is done. Uh, and in the trees, it will simplify and good company.
0: Many thanks once again to Melanie from Boniche, as well as Adam Lazar of Lazar Wines and Broadside. Great conversation. I really encourage you to check out both those brands. Let them know. You heard it on the Where Wine Takes You podcast. So it is fall in Paso wine country. It's getting a little chilly up here. If you are visiting, it's not the same as it was even like three, four weeks ago. Significantly more mild and chilly, especially at night. If you're making a plan to make your next trip up here, check out pasowine.com for any and all the info you need ahead of your trip. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. Thanks to Jamie Guzman for assisting in fulfillment. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Original music on the podcast. Good company. Performed by Moonshiner Collective. Check them out wherever you stream your music or learn more about them. MoonshinerCollective.com. Equipment transport and technical consideration. Thanks to Fly With Wine and flywithwine.com. Next time you are cruising along the Central Coast, you know you can tune me in on your radio. My morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, heard weekday mornings 6 to 10 a.m. on Wine Country Radio, The Crush 92.5. We stream also online all over the place. You can go to Crush with a K, Crush925.com. Also got a free app in your smartphone. I encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And even grab your partner's phone or someone else's phone and do it for them too. Heck, why not, right? I appreciate though. I appreciate you connecting with us here. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Till next time, glass up high as we cheers the men, the women who have served this country honorably, whether it's in the Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, or the new Space Force. Thank you for your service from all of us here. And where wine takes you. And give me that
3: push, I don't by, I pass on down till the job is, yeah. Out in the trees, it will simplify. And good company. Give me that moon we'll get by, we can pass on round till the job is done. out in the trees, it will simplify. And good company. Give me that moon will get by, we can pass all round till the job is done. <laughs> out in the trees, it will simplify. And good company. Give me that moon shine, we'll get by, we can pass all round till the job is done. Camped down. out in the trees who will simplify good in good company, company.